Smoking Guns podcast. Philip Higginbotham, Leo Yamas, soon to be joined, I'm sure, by R.C. Woods. I'm not sure what's keeping her, but uh, we'll see her soon. Leo and I hanging out with you, licking our wounds, yeah, shaking our head in disgust, yeah, dealing sure. with a loss. It did. It absolutely did. Hey, it's the Smoking Guns Podcast. We're a podcast that deals with football. We're a podcast that deals with football in San Antonio specifically. Football in San Antonio around the San Antonio Brahmas of the XFL, along with the San Antonio Gunslingers of the National Arena League. I'm Philip Higginbotham. I'm joined by Leo Yamas. I, if you're watching on the video feed right now, you're looking at me going, what has happened? You're defecting. You're no. finally doing it. No, <laughs> if if anything, my garb for this first segment of the show today proves that I am a huge Brahmas fan. And you may say, how does that work? Because I am wearing a Houston Roughnecks hat, for those of you that are listening later. I'm also wearing an old Houston Oilers t-shirt. But here's the thing. I made a wager with Los Mysterio who is all over Facebook, all over the XFL stuff. He is a huge Houston Roughnecks fan. And he said, hey, if you win, if your team wins, I will wear a Brahma shirt and do a video for you for your podcast talking about how San Antonio is better than Houston at football. If, however, the Roughnecks win, you have to do something similar. And as we all know, the Roughnecks one. And so I get to don this lovely blue hat with the Houston Roughnecks logo. Hmm, and my lovely. Houston Oilers t-shirt, which I'm actually really proud of. I love my Houston Oilers. I could dig the Oilers shirt. T-shirt. Yeah. Uh, but I am supposed to mention that Houston football, for the time being, it's true, is better than San Antonio football. Um. And you know what? That's not even my opinion. That is just objectively fact at this point. Uh, the Houston hmm. Roughnecks took on the San Antonio Brahmas. The game ended up being a um, 22 to 13 Roughnecks win. It, it was, was worse than the score, though. Worse I mean, than the score. Like the score is not indicative was. of what we saw. The Brahmas tried to to steal to steal one. It would have been a stolen win if they would have somehow pulled that off for sure. Yes, and they had their chances in the fourth quarter, and we're going to get to that. Yeah. Um, but honestly, if if we're just honest as Brahmas fans, if you watch that game from beginning to end, there was no point where momentum and control of that game was ever in anything but Houston's court. The entire time they Except won that for the game. very first drive. Uh, you're right, but that being and then they hadn't swung back and then never. Yeah, they hadn't touched the ball yet, and and we took the ball down the field. We scored a touchdown, but from that moment on, pretty well. Um, mm -hmm. From the moment Houston touched the ball from the first time, they were in control of the game, and uh, I'm surprised they didn't run away better than, uh, you know, have a better. Uh, a victory than they did 22 to 13 is only a nine point victory. That's one possession. Um, and so there is a part of me that wants to say, Hey, it's not that bad. 
But the part of me that is an abject football fan and a guy that can look at a game and see how the game goes knows that it was that bad. Like it it was it was a it was a rough game for the Brahmas. And it all comes down, in my opinion, and I think Leo, you agree with me, it all comes down to coaching because one team was prepared and one team was not. No doubt. I I absolutely agree with you on, on that. Um that view definitely got outcoached from start to, to end. Um, as Steven Canto, Steve-O says here, was uh, not a good showing by the Brahma's offense in particular. Uh, the defense made some adjustments and, and did pretty good the second half. But I, I won't go as far to say it was – it's ugly. Um, I, I, I mean, it was an ugly loss. It stung because it's our, you know, uh, one of our Texas rivals. Um, but there's our C. Yeah. Uh, but I'll just say, like the the the, the Brahmas have some work to do. I oh, oh a lot, and I'm optimistic that they're going to get some of that work put in, put in, and they definitely have some work to do. But I'm going to disagree with some people on where that work needs to happen because I've seen comments and I've seen some stuff out there and I've seen what the masses are saying. And I, I, I don't agree in that aspect with, with a lot of what's being said. So what is it you don't agree with? Because let's, let's go ahead and dive in. We want to try to kind of cover the game. We realize that's what mm-hmm. people wanting to kind of address first. It was a rough game we want to go to the field and talk about football. RC, welcome in. Say hi to the beautiful people. Hello, beautiful people. There we go. Uh, RC joining us. Um, what What do you think, uh, what are you hearing people wanting to change that you disagree with, Leo? Because Coach, Coach Ward said things have to change. We have to make changes. He said, yeah, he said things are going to make, things are going to change. We're going to make changes. And um, but what changes do you think don't need yeah. to be made? Yeah, we can now speculate on what he meant by that. Right. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna stop everybody thinking right now that that's out there that's saying Jack Cohen is the reason the offense is struggling and the change that's gonna happen because that's that's a, a lot of times that's the change when you're having offensive struggles. It it all starts with the quarterback, right? Well, it starts with the center, but. The, the 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 play every play starts with the quarterback and and he's the leader out there and the leader of the team I'm gonna disagree with a lot of the people out there saying that uh the offensive struggles are because of Jack Cohen uh and let's try one of the other guys or let's get one of the other guys in there uh, I I saw some people with comments saying that the quarterback doesn't look like he wants to be out there he's not he's not uh uh, invested or, you know, he's, he's, he needs to be pulled because he's not, he's not given a hundred percent. I disagree. And I would wager that um, coach Ward disagrees um, with that sentiment. I think he's found his guy. I think that's his guy. I think that's who he's comfortable with. I think he likes his leadership. I think he likes his grittiness and his toughness, which is uh, that was really what struck me was seeing some of these comments about that he's, he's not into the game. You know, he, he's, he doesn't want it. 
I'm like, that dude out there is half the time pressure in his face, running for his life, trying to make something happen. I I, I get some people see because he has a tendency when he doesn't see something there, he doesn't want to take the sack. He doesn't want to lose the yardage. He'd rather throw the ground, throw the ball into the dirt, you know, in, in front of a, a Belage or whoever's there, a, a short option, check down option, than then take a loss. And that's just, that's just kind of a, a part of his game, him being, you know, some people would say it's smart and other people might say, well, he throws it in the dirt too much. I can, I can understand that, but that's, that's probably usually better than what the alternative is taking a sack or getting a turnover, um, getting hit, uh, losing the ball, getting a fumble. Um, he doesn't turn the ball over. Um, he had one interception this game and it was an incredible catch, an it incredible was. play by yeah. Harris from the Roughnecks. But I will say this, he made that play because the, uh, I think it was Basher, the wide receiver. I watched that play over and over and over again because I was beside myself figuring out how the heck did this, how the heck did he get that? Did he get that ball? How the heck did he make that catch, that interception? Um, all the credit to him. But if you watch the play, you watch the replay, he never turned. He did not even know the ball was coming until it was there. And it Vasher touched it first and lost it. And it bounced just, it was the luck of the bounce, bounce right into his hands and he's able to make that catch and turn around. But he never turned his head. He never turned around. He he didn't know that the pass was coming to his receiver. He so just saw his receiver reacting, so he lunged. And so you're saying it was a lucky interception, and we know. I mean, no, their is... skill, their skill there involved to make that play, but a lot of there was a lot of luck there. But this is what I'm saying: Vasher needs to go up and get that ball. Yes, Vasher didn't go and Person. get the ball. He waited for the ball to come into his body, into his chest. And didn't didn't catch the ball squarely. It bounced off, and and the, the uh, Harris was able to, to to snatch the ball first. If Her if uh, Vasher goes up and gets that, then he either makes that catch or it's pass interference because Harris never turned around. He didn't know the pass where he knew the pass was coming because of 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 a uh, Vasher's body language, but he had no idea where it was, where it was coming. There's no way. Cause unless he has eyes on the back of his helmet, not even on the back of his head, on the back of his helmet, there's no way he knows that ball where, where it's at, where it's coming from. But Vasher did not attempt to go up and get that pass. He waited for the ball to come to him. Maybe it's his momentum. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm watching on the sidelines watching this and he can't make that adjustment, but the really great receivers, they do that. And that easily that play is easily pass interference if he goes up and and tries to get that ball. I don't I don't put that on Cohen not one little bit. So we yeah. started this conversation about uh, this interception with your uh, declaration that stop talking about replacing Cohen. Mm -hmm. May I, for one second, push back a little bit and ask you this question, Leo? If the offensive line play is going to be this bad and one of the other two guys is more athletic working outside of the pocket do then we need to make a change 
That's a not, possibility. But... Not because Cohen is unable to do what he is able to do. I think he is a a decent quarterback. I think he can deliver the ball on the short and medium passes. Um, I think he has a pretty good head on his shoulders. And that is all Heinz Ward has showed he wants. He is not going to stretch the field. I know a lot of people, in fact, we got, uh, you know, Robert Rankin checking in and saying Cohen's good. He just can't stretch the field. That's not what Coach Ward wants. He doesn't want to go down the field and stretch the field for whatever reason. He's kind of made that clear. He doesn't in three have the confidence in his wide receivers. I think that's what it is. That's entirely possible. But if that's the case, an offensive line play is going to be this bad because that was the real problem with that was the number one problem with the offense on Sunday night was the offensive line was awful. I yes. know, I know very weak. I know old picket fences that could have kept rushers away from Jack Cohen better than the way that offensive line played. And part of that was bad offensive line play. And part of that was a really great scheme. You got to give credit. A couple of defensive geniuses in Brandon Stewart and Wade Phillips that knew exactly what they wanted to do on defense. But I go back to my question, Leo, if there's another more mobile option and this is what we have at offensive line and that's what we can do, do you make a change then? Well, it depends on what you want to do with your offense. I mean, if you've got a mobile quarterback that can run the ball, but he's not he's not as as good as finding the target or as good at, at uh, protecting the ball and turning it over, um, then you got to change everything that you're doing to match his skill set. Is 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 Coach Ward ready to just throw it all into the trash can and start I am. over again? You are. After three games of watching this offense, I know we talked I mean, all the way leading up to it, ground and pound, and run the ball and play good defense, and that's how you win football games. After watching this offense for three weeks, and I know we had a great game against Orlando, but it's Orlando. I know. Um, after watching <laughs> this offense true. for three weeks and having somebody point something out to me, somebody mentioned to me that the offensive coaching staff for this team is very similar to the offensive coaching staff for the 2020 Tampa Bay Vipers. And I went back and looked at, certainly the offensive coordinator is the same, and some of the coaching staff is the same. That offense in Tampa Bay did not score a touchdown until week three of the 2020 season. So I'm not just basing it on this three games with the Brahmas. I'm going back to that Tampa uh, offense as well and going, I don't like this offense. I want yeah. a different offensive scheme. You're right. But Something. Cohen Cohen wasn't in that offense, and this offensive line wasn't in that offense. It, it was the the coordinators, the coaching. I think honestly, I think that's what that's what uh, Coach Ward is talking about. He said it during the game. You know, he was mic'd up during the game, and they 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 went to him a couple of times on the on the sideline. And I had a couple of observations. One was he was uh not down on Cohen, even in the second half, late in the second half, they showed an exchange with him and he's smiling and laughing with him. And, and like, I, I didn't, I didn't see any frustration towards Cohen from Heinz Ward at all in the exchanges they showed. I think that's his guy. I just think that's his guy. I did well, see frustration on, uh, you know, some of the results of the plays he talked about, we're not putting them in the position. Our players, I be- he said over and over, I believe in our players. I don't think we're putting in a position uh, where they can be successful as coaches. Uh, 
Uh, he mentioned it on, on a sideline, uh, 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 but was captured on, on a sideline uh, uh, voice bit or whatever that they caught where he said, man, may, maybe we should have, you know, on that, that uh, four, four down uh, goal line where they're trying to punch it in. Yeah. I want like, to talk about that may, in a minute. Yeah. May, maybe we should have, you know, did a toss out to the side or something. That's what he's second guessing. He's second guessing the play calling from his offensive coaches. Right. I think that's the change. I think me, I mean, we're getting right down to it. I think that's the change he's going to make. He's not going to fire his offensive coordinator, but no. he may say, I'm going to have some more input on the play calling, or I'm going to have so-and-so have some more input on the play calling. He may do something like that, change up things a little bit, but I, I don't see him making a change at quarterback at this point. The, I, the problem I have is to make the change that you need to make in this offense. I think you have to make personnel changes as well, because this offense was built by these guys to run this offense that they run that I, I honestly don't believe in anymore. I, I am look, Jaime Elizondo may be an excellent person and a great coach. He may connect well with players. I am not saying anything about Jaime Elizondo as a person. I am not saying anything about him as a coach. I know nothing about the guy, so I am not disparaging him, but his offensive scheme in my estimation does not work. And it's not been. working right now. It's not working right now. It may well, it, it, in it the never history did. I look at it, it doesn't work. Now he's had some success in the CFL uh, in Canadian football. Um, uh-huh. And he's had some success on uh, the college level. Leo and I last night um, took a look at Jaime Elizondo's resume just to see where he had been before. And he has some success, but it is not success on the pro football level, I think his offense, for whatever reason, does not translate well into what we're tr- what what the XFL is. And if that's all we go on all season, we're g- we're in for more of these. Trouble. Like we are in for more of these games. Vanilla. Yes, very vanilla. What? Yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to say one of the disadvantages, obviously because they're practicing in Arlington compared to when the commanders practice here, we were able to see some of the other quarterbacks here. We have no idea. We have to base everything on what coach sees and what coach wants, you know? And so to me, it seemed like the offense, they were just like tag teaming. It was just tag taps, taps, you know, not, there was no um, fierce behind it. There was no aggression behind it. And so I felt that it can't all fall on the quarterback. There's a team here, and they didn't do their part. It was like, very obvious. Likewise, it can all fall on the offensive coordinator, and here's what I mean by that. At the end of the game, or near the end of the game, in the fourth quarter, the San Antonio Brahmas had a perfect opportunity to climb back into the game. Mm-hmm. True. They had the ball with a first down and one or two yards, depending on how you look at it, and a first down. They ran four straight plays. They were all very vanilla plays. Up the middle, I think one of them was a quarterback sneak attempt, which did not work. We tried that quarterback sneak, I think, four times in the game and got (laughs) a yard and a half out of four attempts. We got a yard and a half out of them. Not worth it. 
Um, it, it obviously wasn't working. And Leo brought this up, I think, when we were talking about it that night or last night. Uh, for the quarterback sneak to work, your offensive line has to get under those guys and push. And, and that just wasn't happening. No. Nope. It just wasn't there. Um, but to run the same play four times or same basic scheme, same basic idea, four straight times on the goal line, you can blame that on Jaime Elizondo. But that's not where the blame for that falls. Because at some point, the head coach has to step up and say, hell no, we already tried that. Do Give me something else. Yeah, a little play action, you know, a, a, a swing pass to the outside, something. It wasn't working up the middle, was not working. Now, the previous possession, they had the same thing. It was first and goal from the two, and they scored. But they 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 scored not with uh, Balage. They they scored with um, oh of course his name just escapes my head right now. Um, Patrick. Yes, Patrick. Jacquez Patrick, who's a load, and he was a, and and he scored not the play was designed to go to the middle, but he shifted and 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 went around the out and got got to the outside and scored. That's how they got to thirteen. Um. He never came in in those in those four plays. It was all a uh, Balage and and the the Cohen uh, sneak, and it's just no imagination to that whole series whatsoever. Um, no thought, Coach Ward even uh, uh, addressed that in the press conference afterwards. He was asked, "Did you ever think about kicking the field goal?" Hey, then you're down back. six. <laughs> that question, if you go back, you can go to the Instagram account yeah. for the Brahmas and see the entirety of uh, Heinz Ward's uh, post-game press conference. That question, did you ever think about kicking the field goal, getting your three points, and then doing a fourth and 15? That question was asked by Arlington Lane of the X-Fan yes. show, but it mm -hmm. came from your friends at the Smoking Guns podcast, because we caught him before the uh, after the game and okay. said, this is the question we're curious about. And since the XFL has yet to approve our media credentials, we can't get in uh, there to we ask. We can't get in there to ask. So would you ask this question <laughs> yeah. for us? And Arlington asked it, A-Train asked it for us. And to his credit, I still don't know that I agree with him, but Heinz Ward did not stutter. He did not think no. about it. He said, no. We had the opportunity there to get the points we needed and maximum points that we needed. And so that's what we were going to do. And I'm fine with yeah. that. Yeah, That's not the way I might have done it. But if that's what he was wanting to do, I'm fine with that. That's cool. He said that he's not an analytics guy. He's a momentum guy. He felt the momentum was in their favor at that point in time. And he was just, he believes in his guys and he was just going to go for it. But he then he did say, maybe we should have tried something different, a different type of play call. Um, now, to Belaz's credit, on that second down play, he reached for the end zone and came yeah. literally this yeah. close to breaking the plane of the field, but his elbow hit before the ball. Mm. I mean, talk about a game of inches. Right. Who knows right. if 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 he holds his if he holds the weight of his body, supports the weight of his body with his hand instead of his elbow, with your hand, you're not considered down. Right. Then that's, you know, maybe it's a different ball game. Who knows? I was um, really hoping going into this game that we would see the Brahmas, knowing that Houston was a team that liked to get into the backfield and disrupt, both on the running side of the game 
and on your passing side of the game. And that's what they did. They came right through the middle and disrupted um, all game long. I was hoping, knowing that information, because we already had two games worth of film on them, that they would really work on uh, some screen passes, some draws, mm. although I think they had draws in there and it just, they ran right into, uh, you know, a Houston defensive line instead of, uh, you know, the line running past them. Um, I was really hoping for some of that, like use their speed against them. If they're going to get into the backfield that quick, use that against them. And here's what I mean about getting out coach. Cause I think Heinz Ward and his crew got out coached. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Houston came into that game with an offensive game plan that said, you know what? San Antonio is going to come after Brandon Silvers. So we're going to get the ball out of his hand and into space out on the sides so quickly that that doesn't matter. That's all they did all game. You go back and watch the film and everything is a short pass out to the side. And then he runs eight yards, 10 yards, 12 yards um, because he's got space to run. That's Wade Phillips and his crew being much more prepared for this game because they said, we know what San Antonio wants to do. So we are going to uh, mitigate that by running something that just takes that out of the equation. And San Antonio could have done that too. And hopefully uh, Heinz Ward and his crew has, has filmed now that they can go back and look at as we head into the next time we meet Houston in the dome and say, okay, we know what they want to do. Now, how do we take that away from them? How do we how do we mitigate yeah. that? I think they're learning. I, I I think Coach Ward is learning. Um, he's admitting to that that he's learning. Uh, you know, it's a process. Um, uh, with with the way the with the way things were going, like in the first half, you say that Houston made adjustments or what they saw in that first drive, and then they said we're going to key in on that. We're going to stop that. On the other side with San Antonio, I think they didn't come in prepared for this game. And it's evident. It was evident in the penalties. We had so many, you know, false starts, hands to the face. A lot of penalties. A lot of penalties. I think they had more penalties in this this game than they had in the first two games combined. That's very possible. Mm -hmm. But the most telling thing to me about the team not being prepared and being ready for this game was watching that game in person and then going back and watching again on uh, uh you know the film uh the defense couldn't tackle that first half no so many missed tackles it was bad i mean mm-hmm. that that's the worst we've seen from from this defensive unit as far as tackling goes in in the first three games easily by a long shot and then the second half it wasn't great but it was a lot better. Like they just kind of buckled down and focused a little bit more. They were they were more cognizant on their on on uh, on their technique and and making better tackles. It wasn't that they weren't getting to getting to the baller uh, in the first half. They were just missing tackles, whiffing, being out of position. All that stuff changed in the second half. And to the defense's credit, uh, I mean they they kept the 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 roughnecks from scoring at all in the second half. Uh, so the, the coaching staff is making adjustments, but some of these things, it's, it's not stuff that should be adjusted in the game. It's stuff that should be, they should be ready and prepared for, you know, when the, when the ball is kicked off to start the game. 
as as far as making adjustments according to what the other team is doing, I think that's where that's where Ward is starting to figure some things out. And I think that's I honestly think, in my opinion, that's where he's saying changes need to be made, and that's where uh, that's what he's focusing on. I don't think it's so much on what he's got on the field, who he's putting on the field. Maybe he changes things up and maybe he brings in another guy and does a, a QB rotation similar to what Houston does and similar to what DC uh, DC does. They're the two undefeated teams and they rotate quarterbacks. They are, but I just don't like that system. We had that once with the San Antonio Commanders where they would yeah. bring in Marquez Williams. Um I, I just don't like that. I don't like switching out quarterbacks. I want mm-hmm. one guy to be my leader of my team. Mm-hmm. I think Heinz Ward kind of feels the same way. And I'm okay with mm-hmm. that being Jack Cohen. Um, unless. Um, Hold on. The, you just said, what, 10 minutes ago that everything needs to be changed. It needs to blow it up. Now you're saying you're, you're okay with that being Jack Cohen. I'm okay with that being Jack Cohen unless the skill set of the rest of the team doesn't fit Jack Cohen. If the offensive line and his receivers don't work better and we've got somebody more athletic that can work outside of the pocket or can, uh, you know, just cut bait and run for six or eight yards and slide. Jack Cohen can't slide. I need, if there's anybody (laughs) in the San Antonio Brahma's organization that actually listens to the show, and I've got to believe that there is, can you do me a favor and go find the nearest little league team to Arlington <laughs> that is practicing right now. You can't go get the Rangers. The Rangers are over in Surprise, Arizona. Um, but can you go find a little league coach and teach Jack Cohen to slide? Because the dude can't slide. I don't know if maybe that's not a Big Ten thing. And at Wisconsin, they just don't don't want you to slide or 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 Notre Dame, whatever it is. The man can't slide to save his life. He's gonna hurt himself. He's gonna get hurt. Yeah, he slides um, head first too. He's not sliding foot first like the typical quarterback slide. Everyone is a dive. Yeah, well, they were this week for sure. <laughs> um, Robert Rankin checking in and saying, "Sounds like Philip is describing Juwan Pass. Maybe, mm-hmm. um, yeah. If that is a more athletic guy that can deliver on uh, a few passes here and there, but has the athletic ability and the mobility to get." out and around a pass rush, if the offensive line play is going to be this bad, mm-hmm. maybe that's what you have to do to mitigate it. Hey, we like Jack Cohn better, but for what we have around, with the rest of the team around it, um, I mean, we can't replace everybody on the team. No, we can't. But if we replace this one person, even though it's not as good a person, uh, good as quarterback as Jack Cohen, it gives us a better chance to win. That's what we all need is the best chance to win. Right. Hey, it wasn't a good game. It was a bad no. game. But it does it's not it, it means very little. And I'll tell you why. I'll explain why. In hindsight, and you can say, "Hey Philip, you go to this well all the time. You're always trying to put the best face on things." In hindsight, as I thought about it, I'm like, "You know what? It might even be better for us that we lost this game." Now, I don't I don't want to lose a game. I don't want to lose to Houston. I don't want to be wearing this Roughnecks hat today. I don't want any of that. I bet you don't. But there is an adage that we've talked about before on the show that it is so hard to beat a team three times in one year. Mm-hmm. Yep. If you see Houston a third time, it will be in the playoffs. 
And I think that's a very realistic possibility. Orlando ain't it. No. Like, it's a three-team division because Orlando's not going to be there. So Arlington, us, Houston. Houston has clearly shown that they are the best in the division at this this moment. Right now. They're the class of the South, yes. Uh, So that leaves us in Arlington. One of us is going to wind up with that second spot. It could just as well be us as Arlington. So you're going to see Houston in the playoffs again, most likely, which is a third time. I don't want Houston to come into the Alamo Dome and get a win. I, you know, I want home field to be home field. No, Steven. Steven Cantu says it would be in the championship game. No, sir. Uh, I don't believe so. I believe that the two South teams will play each other. Yeah, the, I think that's how it would work. The division winner and the wild card, that would be, you would think, Houston and either Arlington or us. And then on the other side, the the champion, the uh, division winner and the wild card team from the other side would play against each other. And then the North and South would meet in the championship game. That is all conjecture. I don't know that anybody at the XFL mm-hmm. has said that yet. Um, yeah, I don't know. But, if, if you know something different, Steve-O, then let, yeah, us, let know us know because Steve-O's one of those guys that he, he when he talks, I, I, I know he usually knows what he's talking about. He's saying first in the north, play second in the south, and vice versa. That seems like an odd system to set up, hmm. but if it is, it is. In okay. any case, you will see, if you make it to the playoffs, if you want a championship, you're going to have to see Houston a third time. Yeah. This yeah. is the game. If I've got to lose one of three games to them, this one, this is the game I want to lose to them. The game over there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The game there, the game early in the season, the game that can't disrupt our momentum through the season. Look, I'm a, I, when we come back, we're going to take a break here in a second. I'm going to get out of this Houston crap. But <laughs> when we, it's uh, the- no, it's not. And you know what? I bought a Houston hat. I, I want Houston to be the second best team in the XFL. Behind the Brahmas. Um, I, I, you know, <laughs> Robert Rankin says, playoffs, playoffs. I just want to win a game. I hear you. I understand you. Yeah. When we get back here in a second, I'm going to take you through the next few games of the season and tell you how I think that the sky is not falling. I think we are in really good position uh, between now and the next time we see Houston to rack up some real wins and go into the game in Houston uh, or the game in San Antonio against Houston um, at five and two. I think we can run the table between now and the next time we see Houston. And I'll tell you why I think all of that when we come back. You uh, guys want to hear this. Yeah. I, I, I call it the, the Higginbotham hypothesis. There you go. Right. <laughs> That's it. Smoking Guns podcast. Stick with us just a few minutes. I, I'm literally going to turn off the video and the feed long enough to change hats and put on a shirt. Um, so that I'm not wearing this Houston gear anymore. Don't <laughs> go anywhere. We'll be right back. I told you not to go anywhere. We are back. And I feel much better because I am no longer wearing that Houston <laughs> junk. You forgot to turn off the video. Everybody saw you change your shirt. They yeah. did not. I know yeah. they did not. <laughs> They did not. So let's start talking about what's coming up. Because the Brahmas are now sitting at one and two. Mm -hmm. And that's great. 
I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. That's not where we want to be. One and one in the division, though. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. One and one in the division, but one and two, and that's uh, that's not great. That's not what any of us wanted. And but... I don't. I know we lost the game, but if it was a better game, I would feel a little bit better. But I don't feel that they played their best, and that's what really kills me. They oh, did not no, play their that... best. No, 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 not not. Not by a long shot. Um, they can play better. We've seen them play better. Mm-hmm. So here's what we've got coming up. On Saturday, this Saturday, at 9 o'clock at night, we will be over in Seattle playing the Sea Dragons. Mm-hmm. This is a perfect get-right game to me. Seattle, Seattle struggled, but... Doesn't show in the win loss column. What are they two and one? They are one and two. One and two. Yeah. Okay. Same as we are, but they won last week. Yeah. And last week was their get right game. And they feel like, oh, we're getting things. I really wanted Seattle <laughs> to win that game last week because I was so scared that they were going to go in, go back home and have us come in and be desperate. Be desperate, yeah. At 0-3, be desperate and like, we've got to do something. They're not that. They they won a game. They're feeling good about themselves. I feel like we are the more desperate team, the team that needs the win more out of the two if we want to see, uh, if we want to get to where we want to get to. Um, right. And this is, to me, a perfect game to do that. Ben DiNucci is a turnover machine for all the good he does. He throws for a lot of yards. He scores some touchdowns. He's a big, exciting guy. All of those kind of things. But they he turns the ball over. He fumbles the ball. He throws interceptions. We need takeaways. We need to take the ball away from them a lot. Steve Cantu says the defense better show up. Josh Gordon is their go-to guy. Good. I, I love the fact that we know exactly who they want to go to. Because that's the guy we can just say, okay, let's shut down that guy. If mm-hmm. that's the guy that they want all the time, let's not let them get to that guy. And let's uh, let's do it that way. I love the fact that they've got a go-to guy that, that Ben DiNucci is always looking for. That's wonderful. Hey, not to interrupt the Higginbotham hypothesis from continuing, but have you realized that this matchup is – pretty much a matchup if you look at the schedule of two exactly mirrored teams the circumstances of that record have you have you have you noticed that so i'm I'm not sure i understand what you mean okay week one seattle goes on the road and plays the best team in their in their division dc and and loses right right we just came from our away game against the best team in the division and lost. Week two, they play at home against who? St. Louis Battlehawks. And it took a miracle comeback for them right. to lose that game. Mm-hmm. Just like the Brahmas played St. Louis at home. Took a miracle comeback. Those were the the, the luck okay. of the Battlehawks, right? Mm-hmm. Week three, the Dragons went on the road and played a really bad team that they should have beat. And they did. 
just like the Brahmas in week two went on the road and played a really bad team that they should have beat, and they did for their single win. It's in a different order, right? but the circumstance of the records for both teams, they're mirror images of each other. So it's going to be a very interesting matchup to see which is the real contender and which is the pretender. So I think we can win this game. I, I think this is a winnable game. You're more desperate than they are. You need to win more than they do. Um, I, I see Seattle as a winnable game, provided they can get takeaways. If they win the takeaway battle, they win this game. And Ben Danucci loves to give the ball to the opposing team. And we'll take it. We'll take as many as he'll give us. Please, di- please, Ben, please give us the ball. <laughs> Can't be too confident. I agree with Cancho where he says uh, we got to be careful with that Josh Gordon guy. Again, if that's their go-to guy, wonderful. Let's just shut down that one guy then. If that's what they've got, like shut that guy down. Um, It's, you know, I- I'm okay with that. I love the fact that they have a guy that they prefer. Um, That's wonderful. Week <laughs> five and six. I'm going to, in my Higginbotham hypothesis here, I'm going to have to do a little guesswork because the X factor in the XFL this year is, to me, the Arlington Renegades. Mm -hmm. They have the talent. They have the coaching staff. But they are not coming together. Like, they just can't figure it out. They barely beat the Orlando Guardians. The Orlando Guardians that we shellacked, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. You're right. Stephen Cantu says Arlington is not good. Currently, they are not. The thing they that worries be. me, Stephen, is they could figure it out. They have the pieces, very much like San Antonio in that in that regard. Like they have pieces that could make them a dangerous team. But I am going to suppose that that is not going to happen in the next three weeks. Do you think that could be because, and if if everybody who watched the uh, the promo uh, the promo videos uh, uh, about the XFL that have been on ESPN leading up to the season, Bob Stoops on record went and said, "I'm just here because my wife said I needed to get out of the house." No, I think that was Jim Hazlitt. I thought it was Stoops. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I remember that hearing that, but I don't think it was the coach from Arlington. Um, okay. I, you know, Bob Stoops, he did this last time. He's, he's, uh, I'm not sure he's not just doing this in a very similar way to Jim Hazlitt, just for something to do. Um, just, you know, I, I need to do something with my time. Might as well be the XFL. Uh, that being said, so we say Seattle, we can win. That's a winnable game. Let's call that a win. You play two straight against Arlington. I think you can get both of those wins. I agree. I, I think you can get both of those wins. You can go uh, into the Alamo Dome on the 19th at 9 o'clock at night. You can get that win. The next week you can go out to Arlington or stay in Arlington, which is kind of nice. It's actually kind of sort of a home game for everybody when they play in Arlington because nobody has to travel. Um, So you can go to Arlington at 2 p.m. on Sunday, the 26th, and I think you can get that win. April 1st, Saturday, April 1st, the the Brahmas, I almost called them the gunslingers again, the Brahmas. There you go. Go to Vegas, and they play the Vegas Vipers. 
Uh, Vegas is getting better. And Brett Hundley has done admirably well in his last game. But I still don't think they're it. I think they are slightly better than Orlando. But I don't think they're a good team. Um, I don't think. I'm not scared of them. I'm not scared of the Vegas Vipers really at all. Um, I think what you've seen from Brett Hundley is about all you're going to see from him. And the team that they put on the field on um, Saturday, I I think we can beat. That is week seven. Week eight is when we welcome on Easter Sunday, the Houston Roughnecks back into the dome or into the dome for the first time. 2 p.m. game, and at that point, if you have run the table between now and then, that's one game against Seattle, two against Arlington, one against Vegas, you go into that game at 5-2. and two. Love it. I, I, that's that's absolutely possible. And what's great about that is if you go into that game at 5-2, and two, you then finish out the season with three home games, mm-hmm. two of them against the best teams in the league. Houston? Mm-hmm. Then you play Orlando, which is a great, like, hey, Orlando's coming to San Antonio. Let's beat them up. <laughs> and then you play D.C. to finish the season. The D.C.'s tough. D.C.'s tough. They DC's might a be, tough team. They might be the best team in the league. You know, you would can argue Houston, and you'd probably be right if you said Houston, but there, there'd be some people that would say D.C., and I wouldn't laugh at them for saying it. Steve Cantu checking in and saying, can six and two, uh, six and four throughout the season be good enough to finish for second? Possibly. Yeah. Um, I, I don't want to go into the playoffs at six and four and go up against a, uh, a nine and one or eight and two or, or, you know, Houston team. I mean, well, anything can happen, but in that scenario, if both Arlington and San Antonio are six and four, then, San Antonio gets the nod because they beat them both times head to head. Right. So Arlington already has one loss, right? So if, if they take those two losses from San Antonio, that's already three losses. So you'd figure there'd be one more in there somewhere to get them at best possible record, six and four. That final game of the season, Steve Cantu says, uh, Canto says, uh, DC may not have anything to play for if they sweep St. Louis. That's true. They've already got a game on St. Louis. If they get two and they're at, you know, eight and one, they may be like, eh, we'll rest some players. We'll get ready for the playoffs. We'll get ready uh, to try to make this thing go all the way. Um, now, let me just ask you guys, did you hear about the suspensions? Um, between the players of the DC Defenders and yeah. the St. Louis Bedhawks, there yeah. was an all-out brawl. Brawl, and I'm I'm right surprised the there the weren't more suspensions yeah. the way that that whole thing went down. Yeah, Jared Jones got two games suspended. Mm-hmm. Um, Gabe Wright got one game. I can't remember the other player's name, but he got two games. Do you think that is it all going to affect the play for the next couple of games? I mean, I mean sure, a bit. But yeah, it was none of their premier players. Yeah. Um, it was guys that and then got a couple of guys and a coach, I think, from each team. Three three players and a coach on each side that got suspended for two games. You know, I it wasn't AJ McCarron, it wasn't Jordan Tamu, um, it wasn't the running backs, at least as far as I know. Um, 
Steve, Steve Contu checking in again. Three players were suspended. Eight players and coaches were fined. Um, it was ugly. It was an ugly look at it the was. end of the game. It was St. So, Louis. Not necessary. No. Just no, it's the totally end of the game. Like, leave it alone, you know? Ah. Yeah. St. Louis luck finally ran out on them. And, you know, unless you were there, I didn't get to see what instigated what started it. But I, it felt to me like it was someone on the D.C. side. And, uh, you know, they were about to taste loss for the first time. So um, tempers were flaring and uh, it got it got real ugly, unfortunately, because that's not what the XFL is about at all. No, Amanda no. was there. Maybe she can um, say something about that because she was at that game. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Amanda, if you're still here, maybe you've got you've got something you can add about that. So at that point, we go into that game in Houston. If we can run the table between now and then at five and two, let's say we drop either. Let's say we drop that DC game because they are the best team in the league. We got to win the game against Houston. Like we need that win. Yeah. You take that win against Houston, uh, but you drop the game against DC. That means you would finish out the season. At seven and three. I think you're definitely in the playoffs at seven and three. Depending on what happens for the rest of the season, you may even be in the conversation for the South lead. Look, Houston's not going to run the table. They have won three games in a row. They've all been home games. They do have a great coaching staff. They were very prepared, but we know that it is hard to win week after week and that those start to uh, the the pressure starts to mount when you get to a certain number and and it becomes its own battle. Not only are you playing the team on the field, but you're playing against this zero in your loss column, your loss column. They're not going to run the table. They're not going to be undefeated all season long. Um, Houston fans enjoy the undefeated chance for now because you're going to lose a game like it's going to happen. Um and we don't know what they look like outside of TDECU. Uh, TDECU no, we because they played yet. three straight games there. We have no idea how they will play anywhere but Houston because that's all they've gotten to do is play in Houston. Um, yeah, and that's a, that's a tough environment to play in because the, the fans, uh, even though there was only, what, 10,000 of them? 11. Uh, it seemed like more to me, though. They were so loud. No, they're very loud, um, and the uh, it's a it's a smaller stadium. You're closer to the field, um, and a, a lot the majority of that fan base, you could tell they were invested. They were they they were fans of the team. They weren't uh, just casual fans come come to see the game, um, and so they were loud and into it and having a good time. And for the most part, they were, you know, they were they were. A, a great fan base and and they were they were good to even us uh visiting brahma's fans for the mm -hmm. most part i i had a couple of some remarks you know a little little bit of uh you know jabbing which you expect when you're wearing the other team's colors in their their home stadium right. but but uh a couple people went a little bit overboard but that's that's okay yeah for the most part the houston crowd was great mm -hmm. i've been over there twice in my brahma's gear now, um, pretty decent folks for the most part. There's always a couple of yahoos. I guarantee you the 24,000 in Alamo Dome, there's a few yahoos there too. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. You know, there's a few guys that 
we wouldn't claim if we heard about some of the stuff they would say to somebody in the opposite team's colors. Um, we would be just as like, eh, it's not cool. Uh, leave them alone. So Houston, for the most part, has looked good. You're right. 11,000 people there. It did not feel like that. It was, they were very loud. Um, they were very into the game. Um, I love their stadium. I really do like their stadium. For what this is, I think it's one of the more perfect stadiums. I know lots of people are talking about Audi Field and how great that is. It's a soccer stadium. It's built for soccer. And because of that, there are a couple of things I don't like. I'm not sure I like the real um, uh, steep way that the fans are set up. Uh, but, you know, I'm not there. I don't see a game from there. It just looks kind of odd on TV. It looks like people are stacked on top of each other. Um, they don't have coaches booths, it looks like. It looks like they're out on terraces um, outside of suites uh, calling plays. So it's not really set up, I, but Audi Field is okay. Obviously, Cashman and Choctaw are weird places to play. We have not seen the Dome of the Americas or whatever they call the St. Louis Dome. We get to see that this week. Is that right? Week four? Yeah. yeah. Week four, yeah. That's going to be huge. They're expecting a lot of people for that yeah, game. Yeah, they get, they get to welcome to in the Renegades on Sunday, and that's going to be, that's gonna be a, a great crowd. Um, and we get to see what that looks like. And then, of course, we've got our Alamo Dome. Um, but I do like what they've got in Houston. Um, I do respect their team at this point. But I will say this about this game. Steve Contu, Audi Field is perfect for making a beer snake. Yes, they do that well. And... Uh, and throwing lemons, like it's uh, your throwing lemons, yeah. <laughs> your lemon distance, lemon throw distance from the field, no matter where you are, apparently, because you can always get your lemons out to the field. Um, well, where are they getting lemons from, by the way? I don't, I don't get that. They were, they haven't been their drink. drink. Well, the first but week it was half a lemon and wine. a lemonade. It was lemonade. Oh, lemonade. Well, they must sell a lot of lemonade. Then. It <laughs> it was a I, lot of lemons. I believe the second week, this last week, um, they actually did not provide lemons in the lemonade to try to keep them off the field, mm. and fans had brought in their own lemons. How'd they get them in? You'd think they'd, that'd be something they'd be checking for, right? Lim lemons well, don't set off a metal detector. Depends where you put them. <laughs> I think you could hide a lemon. Lemons don't set off a metal detector, and there's places that they don't check when you go into... Fair enough. Stadium. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I'm excited to see what the Battlehawks do. Uh, the 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 Houston Roughnecks are are a good football team right now, um, and, and we lost to them. But when you step back and look at the game as a whole, like step back, thirty thousand view you know, a uh, foot view of the game itself. They won for, what would you say, Leo? 57 minutes of that game, they were winning? Yeah. They were the better team on the field? Yeah, for sure. They won by one possession. They never took their foot off the gas. There's no point where I felt like no. Houston was like, okay, we're good, we've got this in hand. No, the they, defense just got better. 
they were they were playing to play, and in the end, they only beat us by nine points. We played our yep. worst game of the season against the best team in the league, arguably the best team in the league. We lost by one possession. That's that means point. we're not far off from the pace. Like we're really not. It was a terrible game to watch. Like it hurt to watch. Mm-hmm. But when you really look at it and you go, God, we played that that poorly and against one of the best teams in the league, and we only lost by a possession. And they didn't play poorly. They played no, a good game. They played, they a, good game. played a good they game. A good, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the Brahmas didn't play well. We did not I, get blown out. It wasn't no. a 30-point victory. Uh, you know, I wasn't thinking about leaving. That's That's something that I found interesting. In the yes. Alamo Dome, I notice when we play a game, we stay all the way through the game. I was shocked that a game that was still in flux, um, San Antonio could have come back and won the game. People were leaving in droves right at the beginning yeah. of the fourth quarter and all the way through the fourth quarter. Like that stadium emptied out while the game was still going on. That was I, surprising. Well, I was go, go ahead, Arcee. Well, one thing that I kind of made a mistake in that we had passes for to get onto the field right and we did that and then we took our time and then we went to the restroom when we walked out of that stadium i think we were like the only people still there and we had to get an uber back to my cousin's house so we walked to the corner and there were three police officers there and they looked at us and said what the heck are y'all doing here Mm-hmm. And we're like, oh, we, we just came out of the game. Like, yeah, you should have gone a long time ago. And then one of them, super nice, said, we will stay with you until the Uber comes. We are not going to let three ladies stay here on the corner at this time. And, and so that was our mistake. So maybe the fans know something that I didn't know or that I didn't think about. Well, you can't say you didn't know because we had talked about it last week. And that's what I was going to say. It's Maybe you didn't think about um I was going to say, and, and and with all due respect, I didn't want to sound disrespectful to any of the Houston fans or the Houston fan base or anybody of the city of Houston. It's what we've been told, and we've been told by people from Houston that that area is not the type of place you want to be in and around um, unless you're with a large group of people. And that's what I was, I, at first I was surprised and I was thinking like you, Philip, I was like, where are these people leaving? But the more I, I kind of thought about it and I say, maybe they're leaving because they know yeah. it's time to get in the car and get out of here before third uh, ward, the third the ward has thins. a reputation. Yeah. yeah. But for the crowd thins and, and also it's with traffic, it's, it's not exactly an easy area to get out of. I think it's much easier to get out of the Alamo dome than it is yeah. to get out of there. Um, because of how badly the traffic builds up and the lights and all that. And so I think they were just playing it smart because they're locals and they know what they're doing. Alex McSwain checking in. He said, I learned from the Battlehawks game, the XFL with a three-point PAT and that fourth and 15 rule. It's anyone's game until the very end. Yes. I bring this up because A, he makes a great point. And B, I got a chance to meet Alex at the game. He was wearing his Brahma helmet with horns attached to it. Looked great. He actually is the only person I know verifiably that took me up on my advice to ride the train in and not pay for parking. All right, Alex. However, I will say, and I told Alex this when I when I got there, I pulled up into that parking lot that I parked in two weeks ago. 
And as I pulled up into the parking lot after telling everybody on our show last week, like, I think this is a safer place to park your car than there. The first thing I see as I pull into that parking lot is broken glass on the ground, like car glass on the ground, like some window had been broken. And I'm like, I just told a bunch of people this was a safer place to park. To be fair, (laughs) on the show, I said there's no safe, there's no 100% safe place to park. Alex says his car was fine. Mine was too. Uh, No problems there, but it was a little nerve wracking to pull up there and see broken glass. Third ward is known um as as one of the more dangerous areas of houston it is not a place that three ladies should stand alone in the dark on the corner waking (laughs) waiting for an uber it's a good thing that stadium security was willing to stand with you i'm glad that they were willing to do that we've been told that we're we're aware of that it's it, it is what it is the area around the university of houston i've known this for several years because we've been looking at colleges and one of the ones that we were talking about for our daughter was UH. And I am concerned about that area if she were to go to UH. Um, so it, it is what it is. The XFL has nothing to do with that. Um, right. It's just that's that's where they play those games. So around the rest of the XFL, we've talked a little bit the games on a whole were much better this week. They were, Definitely. they were really good football games. You had that, uh, the Seattle game in Vegas, by the way, we came on last week and we gave Vegas a very hard time for the presentation, the field, the, the venue, all of those things. And if I didn't turn around and say, Hey, I watched the next game and they made marked improvement on almost all of those things, I, would be, I wouldn't be doing my job right. Not that this is a job. But <laughs> the, the presentation was better. The field looked better. The gameplay was better. Uh, wind was still an issue, so like weather was still a problem. It wasn't a monsoon like it was in week two, but there was still a wind issue. The gameplay was better. Both teams seemed to be gelling better. I feel a lot better about Cashman after week three, after I really gave it a hard time after week two and said, man, I'm not even sure they should continue the schedule there. Um, They used that extra week to, to beef things up. And it was a lot better um, all the way around. Yeah. It it was just funny when um, I'm sorry. It was funny when the ref had to hold the football though, for the kicker. Did y'all see that? Yeah. That was funny. I don't know. That was funny to me. So it's interesting. I don't know that we've talked about this with the XFL. The XFL has an extra official on the field. He's the red hat, which is the one that held the ball. (laughs) He is there for no other reason but to spot the ball between plays. That is what that official exists for. He does not call penalties, best I can tell. He does not do anything but spot the ball so that gameplay can happen immediately. We've had three weeks of these games now, and they're all coming in right at three hours. I'm loving this. Like the NFL take notes because I'm a purist. I love football. I love NFL football. But if you can start getting games under three, three hours, I'm, I'm down. And I realized that right now we're looking at three hours and 30 minutes. That's not that big a difference. Yeah, it is. A half hour is kind of a big deal when you're talking about three hours worth of time. Mm -hmm. Um, I love these games. I love the speed and the pace of these games. I don't miss the time that runs off the clock. Um, with the running clock, I love this. It's going great as far as I'm concerned. 
Yeah, I think they've done a great job with with that. Um, I kind of like the. Uh, I know you hate it, Philip, because we've talked about it. But I, I like the uh, color coordinated hats on the different officials, so you you can tell the <laughs> difference between between you know who, who's doing what what role as far as the officiating. Um, I know we had a discussion offline, and and there's some of those hats that you just can't stand. But I do I think, not I like the good. black crown with the white bill. Mm-hmm. Like it needs to either be a black hat, a white hat, a red hat, a green hat. I don't care, <laughs> but I There's... do not like separate colored bills from from the hat itself as a whole. And those specifically look very cheap to me. That I don't like the look of them. It's a it's purely aesthetic. It's an aesthetic mm-hmm. thing. Which, by the way, we have to bring up. I I buried his comment, but I did make sure I could go back. We need all of our um. Brahma's fans to understand when you take a picture with your horns up or horns forward. Oh, is this Greg? Yeah. When you take a picture with your horns forward, it's not just horns forward anymore. It's horns up or horns forward, but tilted slightly up for aesthetic reasons. Because if you go straight at the camera, you can't see the horn. You can't see that. See the, the, the ones that are watching. I mean, you're listening, you're listening to the show. I'm doing the horns forward, and yeah, it's really hard to see those horns. He brings but up Greg, a good point. Greg Nelson says, tilt them up about 30 degrees. I need a protractor. And you can <laughs> see the horns. They're still forward. They're still going forward. But you can see them, and the hashtag for that, so that we can make this a thing, is <laughs> horns forward, but tilted slightly up for aesthetic reasons. Yes, got it. Listen to that on. man, Brava heard. Listen to that man. Horns we forward. Love, we love you, Greg. Greg Nelson. But tilt it slightly up for aesthetic reasons. We love uh, you, Greg. Very important that you you start tilting those horns up so that we can see them. Uh I I don't like the the XFL official hat that just that one uh, for aesthetic reasons. But in the same way that I, I don't remember if it was XFL or I think it was the AAF did something weird with the referee jerseys that I did not like. I remember that. I don't remember what it was, but I remember you saying that you didn't like it. And again, it was just an aesthetic thing where I was like, I don't, that's ugly. Please stop. No, go back to something normal. Um, So Houston is done. Like we don't have to worry about Houston for a few weeks. For a while. Yeah. Forget those guys. We do need to concentrate on Seattle, and I'll be very interested to see what kind of changes Coach makes this week Um, because he was very clear that he was willing to make changes. Um, I hope it's the offense as a whole. I hope it is the offensive scheme. You want him to go back to the drawing board, start all over again. With a scheme, yes. Like Mm -hmm. I, I want you to look at, Here's the issue I've always had with coaching all too often. I see this all the time in high school football. Coaches say, this is the style of football we're going to run. No matter what we get in our talent pool, we are a wing T team or a slot T team or a spread uh, pro style offense team. And they don't take into account the talent they have. I watched a team once that had no discernible, large, um, running back kind of kids run a slot T, a version of the slot T, and it was awful all season long because they did not have the talent to run it. I watched a high school team run a spread 
uh, pro-style offense when they had three good, solid, big, beefy running back guys that they could have run the ball with and done very well with. Both of those teams had terrible seasons. Um, You have to go sometimes with what your talent says you have. And right now, I don't think the offense that we're running, I'm not sure it would be successful with any specific talent pool because I just don't believe in the offensive scheme itself after seeing it for three games here and what they did in Tampa. But I know that it doesn't work with the, the skill set we have currently. So you're going to have to make a change. And I want that to be the offensive scheme. I don't think it needs to be Jack Cohen unless you determine that Jack Cohen, as good a quarterback as he is, does not give you as good a chance to win with the team that is around him as Juwan Pass or uh, Sinet. Maybe that is a change that needs to happen. Um, but I would not change Jack Cohen because he's ineffective. I don't think that's the case. He's not. He's yeah. not. I mean, um, he didn't look good in this game. You can't lay that on his, lay that at his feet. The reason you can't lay that at his feet is because there are four Houston Roughnecks already around his feet holding on to him. Uh, th- so you can't lay any of this at his feet because that area is already taken up because right. he can't. You know, he's already got pass rush all over him. Anyone that says he doesn't want it, go back and watch that game. And I forget what it was. It was late in the second half where he's scrambling, trying to, you know, because, again, he was running for his life, the offensive line, out to the sideline, and just took a huge shot. And that knocked his shoulder pads out from under his jersey. And he got up, and he's smiling. And and he was mic'd up so you could hear him. And he's like, that was a good hit. He's smiling. (laughs) He's like, that was a good hit. That was a good hit. And he's right back in the huddle. I mean, that guy's a competitor. I, I, I can't agree with someone saying that he doesn't want it. Michael Wayne Davis. Hey, Michael. Checking in, saying he was Roger the Dodger. Hey, yeah, hold he on. Was. Hold on. Hold on. You're talking about a Hall of Fame legend of the game right now. Are you really comparing Jack Cohn? He's not comparing his career no, to it. No, he's he comparing that game, that, that, the, you know, the style to Come my on. man, Roger, the Dodger. Come on now. Yeah. I be, I'm, I'm with you, Michael. Roughnecks go on Saturday to play the guardians. I think we can all, if, if the guardians pull a win there and Hey, you never know. That'd be cool. <laughs> but if the guardians pull a win there, I'll be super surprised. Stranger things have happened, right? Sure. Why not? If the Guardians uh, win, will you wear a Guardian hat? No. <laughs> no. I'm not buying any of that Guardian gear. Are you kidding me? Um, it took me long enough to get this Brahma's hat, man. It took me like 14 days to get this Brahma's hat in. Wow, they got to work on that. So the Roughnecks play the Guardians. That is the early game. And when I say early, I actually mean 6 o'clock game uh, on Saturday. And then we play the Sea Dragons at 9 o'clock on Saturday. Yeah, is what 9 it is. PM. Yeah, it's a it seven o'clock for- game in Seattle. To be right. fair, I'll be but interested to see what- for the watch parties because not a lot of places, bars included, want to give up their Saturday night uh, time for a watch party. Yeah, that's. Just what I was just gonna say I'm, I'm curious true. to see what watch parties. Are. 
Um, I think a lot of people are going to be like this old fat guy right here that says, you know, nine o'clock kickoff. That means the game's going till midnight. Um, I'm watching that from the comfort of my home, you know. Yeah. I'll make my own drink specials. Um, <laughs> I can't honestly blame anybody for, for feeling that way. I don't think that we're going to have the big turnout of the watch parties that we've had uh, yeah. for the last couple of road games. It's it's a rough one for a watch party. Saturday night, you're right, at 9 o'clock is a busy time for bars and restaurants. Do they want to give a whole section over to – um, a watch party that's going to eat up uh, a lot of tables and a lot of uh, a lot of their money. Uh, you know, we we do our best. We order drinks, we order food, but when they're turning those tables over every hour, um, you're talking mm -hmm. about eating up those tables for three of their their busiest hours. Um, so don't be surprised if watch parties aren't as big a deal for this Seattle game. That being said, on the field, I expect a win. Um. I really think that we can pull things together. We can get the win and go to two and two Sunday's games. Renegades at battle Hawks. That's an interesting one. Mm -hmm. It is battle, battle Hawks lost to DC, but they, they didn't look bad. It's funny that both of these teams are two and one right now. The mm -hmm. renegades and the battle Hawks are both two and one. And I have never seen more suspect two and one teams in my life than both <laughs> right? of these teams. Like both of these teams are like, are they really that good? They're not really they are, that good. Are they? Arlington squeaked out a one point win over, over, over Orlando, Orlando, who I think everybody agrees is the worst team in the league. So yeah. yeah. Suspect and, two and one. And then the Vipers go to DC to play the defenders. Um, I I want better for the Vipers, but I think that's going to be a route. I really think uh, that's going to be a route. The big question, I think you're right, uh, Alex. The big question of the week in the XFL is attendance in St. Louis. Is it going to be plus 30,000? Well, if you believe the stuff that's they've been reporting, the ticket sales are already at 34,000, just like okay. Michael Wayne Davis says. Yeah. Important that we talk about this. So, yes, 34,000 uh, is what they're reporting ticket sales at right now. But we need to have a conversation, Brahma's heard, mm -hmm. and XFL fans as a whole. You need to understand the difference between ticket sales and attendance. True. Because there are True. a lot of corporate tickets that get bought to every sporting event. That is not the reported attendance. And if you need proof for that, go look at Washington Nationals games. I'm just picking a random team out of the major league out of Major League Baseball. Washington National games at eight o'clock on a Tuesday night, and realize that when they report, I don't know, eight thousand people, ten thousand people that show up to a Washington Nationals game, sixty percent or more of those tickets were comps. Were given away. They weren't sold. They just needed fans in the stands. And so radio stations were giving them away. And every guy that does a, a, a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, every guy that does a podcast. <laughs> but no, I was thinking of the guys that do the uh, timeshare. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, presentations mm -hmm. are giving away tickets. Like so many of those tickets are comps. And so if you really looked at tickets sold, you would be very 
upset with the numbers that you see in almost all of the sports other than football. I get um, that. That's why attendance is the number that everybody tracks. So when you see 34,000 for St. Louis uh, as their ticket sales, realize that 34,000 are not going to show up on game day. Well, see, I we get were, that. And you're not wrong, but you, you got to give this uh, St. Louis Battlehawks fan base a lot of credit. You know, there's nobody I think that would doubt or, or would deny that they were the top fan base in XFL sure. 2.0, you know, they're football hungry, uh, city, just like San Antonio. They took a lot of pride in their, in their team and they've had to, uh, I, I say suffer through because they're two and one. So, you know, you're, you're happy being two and one after three weeks, but they've had to suffer through watching each and every one of those games on TVs because they have yet to come home. This is the home right. opener and having to wait that long, I expect to I expect that fan base to show up and show out and especially because we laid down the challenge we the, the San Antonio Brahmas mm-hmm. fan base laid down the challenge to them and they know this it's it's not a secret I don't think there's any Brahma or any uh, uh Battlehawks fan in St. Louis saying right now oh really San Antonio had you know uh 20 uh what was it 24,000 people 24. at their game and and we're bragging about being the top I don't I don't think there's anyone out there that that was like this is going to be a surprise to at this at this juncture they all know every right. last single one of them and they're going to show up and show out I expect that to be a huge crowd and it's going to be raucous I, I mean just knowing what I know of that fan base I I don't I, I think they want to show us up and then they're going to issue the challenge and say, okay, now top that San Antonio. And I know you're going to get to this later, Philip, but our next home game, I was just we about to go might there. not be able to do it, which really sucks. So the very first opportunity that we have in the XFL to go head to head with St. Louis on attendance, mm. uh, you know, who's the better team in the same week who can draw better numbers. The Battlehawks in week five, which is not this week, but next week. The Battlehawks in week five have a Saturday 6 p.m. start time game against the Defenders. Mm. The best team in the league, the team that just barely beat them. Every reason in the world to sell thousands of tickets to that game. It's a great time. It's on Saturday. It is against a great team. On the flip side of that, that same week, we have the only Sunday game in the XFL against the Arlington Renegades, and the start time for that game is 9 p.m. And you may say, hey. to us? I know. You may say, hey, why would the XFL do this to us? Michael Wayne Davis says, I hate the late game coming up. The optics will be used to say that we're losing interest. That's correct. That's exactly what's going to happen. George Mata, the mariachi himself checking in, and he says it's because ESPN hates us. No, it's because oh, it's because ESPN loves money, and ESPN knows that putting any sports event up against the uh, the the final four, not the final four, I'm sorry, March Madness, the tournament itself is suicide. And so they're trying to avoid that. And by doing that, they've set themselves up for something that is yeah. not good either. 
George Mata again checking in and saying ESPN has always hated San Antonio. Eh. Um, who cares what ESPN thinks anyway? First, <laughs> and I, the Sweet Sixteen is a big deal. I, it I is. get it. I it's understand it. But still, the, the ones who made that decision, I, I, I still have to sit here and, and be upset and say you suck for doing yeah. that to us. Yeah, it's but, not good. Yeah, and, and I, I will be heard- there. I, I'm taking PTO, and I'm advising all of you Brahma fans to do the same. Take PTO. Hopefully, you got the hours to take and show up to that game. But you know, it's not going to be what it would have been if it had been a decent hour, regular hour. It's going to be a late night party. So, I, I will tell you one of the things that ticket guys, ticket sales offices, love to use to make those numbers work are groups. Selling group tickets is a great way for them to get their numbers up. My bet is there's probably not a lot of groups that are signing up for a 9 p.m. Sunday night game. I bet there's not a lot of peewee football teams that are going to drag their eight-year-old kids who play football out at 9 o'clock at night on a Sunday night to come to the game. Alex McSwain. Uh, in response to the mariachi, he says, The Rock and Denny Garcia love San Antonio, and that's what matters in my book. That's a great way to look at things. I agree. Uh, with this Renegades game coming up at 9 o'clock on the 19th, it is what it is. The The diehards have to show up and be loud. Uh-oh. Lost lost RC. RC. She'll be back, I'm sure. Uh, diehards, sure. be loud. Bring a friend. Uh, talk it up now. You've got a couple of weeks before the game. Um, talk it up to some folks. Bring the guys from the office. Everybody take PTO. Shut the office down on Monday the 20th. <laughs> Nobody's coming in, boss. We're all going to the game that night, and we're going to come with us. Bring your boss with you. I was going to say, bosses, buy your employees tickets. There you go. Take them to the game. Show a little um, employee appreciation. And exactly. then give them give them Monday off or or just have them show up a couple of hours later. How about that? I, now, George You're Mata's got an idea here. George Mata's got an idea here. Jorge Mata. I'm sorry. I've been saying that wrong. Uh, it's going to be the dads of those peewee players that show up, especially if the Alamo Dome would compromise and do $1 beer night. Alamo Dome. That's a good idea. <laughs> this is an idea. Jorge has something he's working with here. You need to listen to this guy. We told you about listening to Greg earlier. Listen to Greg, but also listen to this guy. Dollar Beer Night would be a genius idea, especially since we're all taking PTO the next day anyway. It's going to be lower numbers. Like, don't be frustrated. Don't be upset. Don't don't fret when we only get fourteen or fifteen thousand uh, dollars the fourteen or fifteen thousand in this in the Alamo Dome it'll be the lowest attended pro fish, pro football game in the Alamo Dome ever it, it's just gonna be that it's it's not it's not that the team is doing poorly it's not that fans are losing interest it is a bad time slot on a bad day but you it's, know what and, and Michael Wayne Davis uh, said it earlier that's exactly how people are going to spin that. Yes. Uh-oh, San Antonio's losing interest. For sure. You know, yeah. It's Get ready for it, guys. Don't buy into it. It's BS. Don't buy into it. Jorge, dollar beer night will get 40,000 plus. Man, even with, even with dollar beer night, I don't know that on a Sunday night at 9 o'clock you're going to see that kind of number. 
And um, also, I've just been made aware for those that don't drink, have ice available for your for the sodas, for the non-alcoholic beverages, because apparently the Alamodome ran out of ice in the last game. <laughs> it is you don't want to do that. Jeez. It is San Antonio. It's hard to keep ice fresh here. It's kind of hot all the time. <coughs> it's <coughs> it's gonna be <coughs> you got right there. I think so. Maybe, maybe Philip needs some ice. It's gonna be a rough game. We do need to, Alex McSwain saying, "Hey, bring your cowbells or Brahma bells. Ring them in the dome." His is loud and obnoxious. That's the key. No matter how many we have show up, if we can get 40,000 to show up because it's dollar beer night, I still think that's probably not going to happen, uh, even at a dollar beer night. But if we get 12,000 in the dome, if those 12,000 will be loud and proud and make a big, um, <coughs> make a lot of noise, uh, we can still. We can still make our presence felt. Yes, I, I'm going to interject here. Where are we going to hide the cowbells? Where, <laughs> where you are don't we going to hide, the hide women? cowbells? <laughs> well, Wait, I, I actually, you, aren't they I, metal? I don't think they allow noisemakers into the dome, so you'd have to hide those along with the lemons wherever you're putting those lemons. I'm hiding mine, I guess, or maybe I don't know what we're going to figure that out. So on on that note about San Antonio showing up and being loud and proud. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to make a suggestion here because we're the smoking guns podcast and we have been known to set trends. We've also been known to make some suggestions that nobody cared about, but we've also set some <laughs> trends. So I'm going to make a suggestion. Hmm? No, bring no, your no, guns. Don't, no, no, no. Don't, bad idea. No. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Okay. Don't do that. Yeah. You just said, but, cause we're the smoking guns. I thought, Hey, bang, bang. You know, well, that's, that's who that's we are. We're the smoking guns podcast. But this is my suggestion. As a fan base, I know we're all called the Brahma Herd, and that's what we are. That's what the fan base is. That's what we've adopted, and I love that. I think it's way better than saying something like Brahma Nation or Brahma Country because that's what everybody else does. We heard it at, at Houston. They were the Roughneck Nation. We heard the announcer saying that. Um, and we're the Brahma Herd, and nobody else you know, nobody else can be that, the Brahma Herd, and I love it. Mm -hmm. But there's, there's a name that I really think will fit this San Antonio fan base, the loud and rowdy ones, the ones that are there through thick and thin to support these Brahmas. There's a name that I think is perfect for the San Antonio culture that I'm going to throw out there and I'm going to do it right now, right here on the show. All right. You call it like the 12th man, like they have up in Seattle. And I believe the, the Aggies use that as well. The, uh, they have, they have a name for the fan base in the stadium that right. is that extra motivation, that extra force. Right. You've got the black hole in, uh, yes. or used to have it in Oakland. Yes. You have the dog pound in Cleveland. What do you got? I got something. In San Antonio culture, if you're from here and you've been around the Hispanic community, you know what I'm talking about. When you're growing up, the ones that always have your back, the ones that are always there for you, when the families get together and you have the big old pachangas and the parties and the get-togethers, uh, the quinceañeras, whatever, who you go hang out with, who are the ones that you're, you know, you're, you're always together and you go there, your rider dies, you go out, you 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 go to hang out, go to the streets, and they've got your back no matter what. It's because you've got a lot of 
sisters and brothers or your parents did. Uh, Hispanic families are big. So, and they reproduce. So what do you have? You have, yeah, you, that's right, Michael. You have the drunk uncles, but those drunk uncles make a lot of primos, a lot of cousins. Those are the I ones, like those, those are your, those are the ones who have your back. Those are the ones that you're hanging out with all the time at these family get togethers. You see them at the school, like, oh, that's my primo. Well, there was my cousin. We're the primos in, in the stands. We're the fan base. We're the ones that will have the Brahmas back no matter what. We're the, we're the uh, support that they need whenever they need it. And we're not going to let nobody mess with them. Hey, so mis primos, you're messing with me. You're messing with my primos over here. And that's what I, I think that in, envelops the San Antonio com community as that fan base that's there at the games to support and back the Brahmas through thick and thin. Somos los primos, baby. That's 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 my suggestion that I've been waiting to put out there. I was going to kind of wait till we get to the next home game and say we need to show up, primos, because the Brahmas need us. Well, they need us to have their back. And we're, we're talking about it now um, and talking about, you know, the – the challenge we're going to face because of it being a late game. Well, you know what? If it was a late party or a late uh, throwdown that was going to happen, the primos would be there no matter what. So that's that's what I'm going to set out there, and let's see if we can make that stick. I don't know. Maybe people won't like it, and that's okay. My feelings won't get hurt. But I think it's uh, perfect for this San Antonio fan base. I'm done. Los primos. Los primos. Los primos. I like it. In la casa. Mike and la casa. My question In is la casa. When do we start tailgating if the game starts at 9? It's going to be dark. Wait a second. Now, the I can drink beer in the dark. <laughs> I mean Okay. Fair can, enough. Can fair you, enough. Can, can you grill in the dark? Can you drink beer in the dark? I don't I don't see a problem. I mean, when you go camping, you, you grill, you eat out there, We you know? it, we make a good little tent, have a little nap right before the game so we're all you know, yeah. right away. It'll still be light outside. Like Steve Canto says, it's 3.30, so if it's a 9 o'clock kickoff, gates open at 7, and you're allowed to for four hours before that, so that's, yeah, 3 o'clock or 3.30, like Steve said. Okay, sunset. We still have some good daylight. Yeah. Sunset on Sunday, March 19th. Central Standard Time is 7.36 p.m. So, you're fine. Alright, I'll fine. take a nap. Take a nap. What are you talking about? I'm gonna be up at my bedtime is like 10 o'clock. You're gonna take a nap at the tailgate? I'm just saying maybe during the day, not necessarily at the tailgate. Oh, you bet it sound like you were gonna take a nap at the tailgate. I'm no, like, before it's... tailgating, I'll take a nap so they'll be good to go all the way to like midnight. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. See that. <laughs> yeah. What time do you have to be in on Monday? I'm taking, I'm it taking off. Monday off, man. Okay. PTO. I don't have to be in on Monday. I don't know yet if I'm sick or not. I'll have to go and see. Take a sick day. <laughs> you should, don't be saying that on the show, RC. I'm not. Right. They're going to rat you out. Right. Uh, Steve Conte bringing up the daylight savings. The Yeah, the clock springs forward an hour this Sunday. That 736 should take into account that uh, yeah. that time change. Which, by the way, when are we getting rid of this time change thing? Like, I think this is the last one. This spring forward is like the last change, right? Uh, it seems like every time some somebody says that, uh, I go and look it up, and that's not true. But I would love it if that were the case, because I'm so, so tired of changing clocks and and all of this mess. 
So the Brahmas lost. Eh. Uh, I don't want to lose. I'd rather not lose. I don't like taking a loss. I certainly don't like taking one to Houston. But yeah. it is what it is. That's over and done with. We're concentrating on Seattle now. We got to beat Ben DiNucci. We got to beat Josh yes, Gordon. We, we got to beat the Sea Dragons. What are Sea Dragons anyway? Dragons that live in the sea? I Not guess. Seahorses? Do, do dragons live in the sea? I don't think there are dragons that really live in the sea. I think they're really hmm. supposed to be sea. I heard about that famous one that lived by the sea. Right. Puff, the magic dragon. Puff, the magic dragon. Yeah. Which is so not about kids' songs. <laughs> That's about something yeah. else entirely. Yeah. Well, but yeah. man, in 2024, when the Talking Seattle, when the Seattle uh, Sea Dragons come down to the Alamo Dome in 2024, uh, I think we're just going to have to sing that song nice and loud and proud for them. <laughs> That's all I know. I can't remember the rest. Yeah, if we play that out loud in the in the Alamo Dome, there there may be some there may be some people that want to show how much they they uh, they love the drug. They love that song. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Michael Wayne Davis says the ugliest logo. I think he's talking about the sea dragons. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he says sea dragons are seahorses that mated with Kraken. I I don't really, I, I don't know where you're getting this information from. <laughs> I get the, the seahorse, Steve-O but I don't knows. Know about the Kraken. I don't spend that much time in the sea. What else do we have? Do we, uh, so that's well, Brahma stuff. Go ahead, well, RC. Continue with the Rama stuff. I definitely need, need to give a big shout out to Paul Teeters, who treated us like VIP. Yes. That yeah, was let's major. talk a little bit about Paul. Yeah, he so did... he's he's the director of um, tickets over there in Houston, and he went ahead and comped us four tickets. Now, I know there was some issues, and then they weren't able to comp us, so he gave us and transferred four of his family tickets to us. That's amazing. Um, and so then from there, sorry? And then he gave us um, VIP uh, passes to the club. I know a Philip went in there. It was amazing. It was really nice. They had drinks. They had food, chicken tacos. And afterwards, he said, come to gate one after the game, and he would take us onto the field. So I enjoyed the atmosphere of of being in Houston. I did a lot of networking, if that was possible. I was able to get a text out as much as I could to get all the fans to come to Section 126 for a group picture. I think that was amazing because we were going, Brahmas, Brahmas. And a lot of people showed up. Some people didn't, but that's okay too. But we had a really good time. I was able to, um, I could easily spot the yellow shirts from the Brahmas and I would go down to them and I was like, Hey, Brahma fan, is it okay if I take your picture? So I was able to take quite a few pictures. I was able to meet um, Mrs. Hines Ward. And so her and her daughter were there and her family. I talked to, she knew us. Um, she's like, Oh yes. From the podcast. I was like, Oh my gosh. And so she said she was willing to have an interview. Um, I said, we could do it virtually or in person. She goes, I'd rather do it in person when she comes to the game on the 19th. So we have to talk about that, how that's going to work. 
And one thing that I will say, so when we had our first Brahma game, I did have access to go to the field after the game. And so I thought that I was going to be able to meet some of the players. But nope, it was just me in the field and a court. And if you saw, if you go back and look at some of the pictures, that's just what you see. When we went, when I had field uh, access to this game, there was at least 15 to 20 roughneck players totally interacting with the fans that were there. They were taking pictures with them. They were signing helmets. They were signing, you name it, papers, anything they could find, T-shirts. And they stuck around and they took pictures with us. Now, of course, I'm not a roughneck fan, but to see, they were like, it was like drenched in sweat, but they didn't, didn't matter. If someone asked them for a picture, if kids asked for an autograph, they were there. I think that aspect was totally missing um, at the Brahma game, the first Brahma game that we had. To be fair, let me play devil's advocate for a second and say, you're talking about Houston players after a win versus San Antonio players after a upset loss, like the last two minutes of the game, gut-wrenching loss. There may be a difference in those situations that might spell some of that. Um, Just, you know, players weren't willing to hang out in San Antonio for our only home game because they had just gotten beat in a way they did not expect to get beat. And they were just not wanting to hang out on the field and, and talk with fans. Whereas Roughnecks guys had just won a game and felt good about things. So that may have been some of that difference. True that, but I've gone to numerous gunslinger games, win or lose, those players stay in that field and they take pictures with the kids and they autograph things. So I get it that it's different, a different league. Apples and oranges. Apples yes. and oranges. But I do feel that that the welcome that we had we received from Paul Teeters and how they treated us is a lot more access than we've had with the Brahmas. True or not true? And I'm not trying to stir the pot or make mm-hmm. anybody upset, but we really were treated almost like royalty in that stadium compared to we don't even have access. Um to some of the things that I had access to when I went to the game. And so I did take pictures with the players to show the difference of the first game with the Brahmas and this game with the Houston Roughnecks. I saw that. And and uh, I saw you down on the field. I didn't make it down there because I was talking to John, who is our Paul. Uh, right. Uh, talking with him about some things about uh, San Antonio. But uh, I did see you down there on the field. I did see the club level access that you got. I got to go in there. Um, with you. Paul did a great job. I don't know that that's so much a deficit on San Antonio side. I think uh, I, I was really thankful that Paul extended those opportunities to us. I would love to have those opportunities here in San Antonio, um, but it may just be a matter of Paul going over and above, you know, above and beyond uh, as opposed to John, who's working on um, a lot of things for one game. Remember, they had their season opening game here and then they haven't been back. Uh, Paul had had two games before this and was able to say, I know how all this works. Um, I I know what I can do and what I can't do and what I can get you guys around for and what I can't. So um, it may just simply be a matter of Paul being a little more familiar with their uh, setup. And maybe as we get closer to some home games, we see that same kind of access um, from the Brahmas as they get more, more, uh, focused. You did get upgraded here in San Antonio. 
Yes, all the but way it was down from, to the porch. It was, a, it was from a fan. It wasn't from anyone. From oh, that's right. That is true. Well, come on, Brahmas. Show RC a little love at the next home game. There you go. That way we could share more good stories about you guys on, on the following show. And she will. And I will. And then um, also, but also I sent uh, information to Amanda. And hopefully talking about the Brahma Mamas and our whole purpose is to increase the female engagement and also with the community involvement. So I did send that to her, our Brahma Mama purpose. And we're hoping, she seemed pretty excited, that maybe she can start an all-female XFL fan club in Seattle. And so that would be my wish, that we could start one, even if it's small, in every city that we have an XFL team. So if there's See? any females listen out there, let's get together. Amanda, I can help I you. I don't think Amanda's on anymore, but I hope she goes back and listens later. Amanda, I sub I respectfully submit the name Battle Chicks for uh, a female Battle Hawks group, the Battle Chicks. I like um, it. I think would be awesome. But uh, I don't know if that's even PC anymore. I don't even know if I can say that anymore. Um, but that would be my respectful, fully respectful. Um suggestion on a female name for a battle hawks group would be the battle chicks um so gunslinger stuff because we do we do have a whole nother team and mm -hmm. we're getting closer every day um yes. to the gunslingers kickoff uh if you have not had the opportunity and i will be really honest with you i have not had the opportunity to listen to the full episode yet but the inside the walls podcast did a full episode deep dive into your san antonio gunslingers last week it came out on friday cody brooks cody is part of that broadcast he joins them uh for an interview there go and give them a some love b some listen subscribe to their show and see what they think about the san antonio gunslingers chances for the nal season starting on april 8th here in San Antonio Freeman Coliseum up against the Carolina Cobras. Single game tickets are on sale. Is that right, Liam? Mm -hmm. Yes. Season, season tickets as well as single game tickets have now gone on sale. Um, April's going to be here before you know it, guys. And, and that game, those games are going to be uh, going on. So uh, be thinking about getting your tickets real soon. Um, speaking of that, Inside the Walls podcast, I'd be interested to hear that because it just dawned on me that they ranked Cody Brooks's linebacker group near the bottom of the league when they did their ranking. So I wonder what Cody had to it say did. About that on that show. Yes, they did. Yeah, they did. I wonder what uh, he had to say to them. I need to go back and take a look at that. Alex McSwain is saying there's a giveaway at the first game. Yeah, I'm trying um, to pull up that information right now. I know it's uh, it's Fiesta Metal. Yes, the I'm metals. just trying to see what the number is, like how many how many fans they're giving them away to. I want to try and get that medal because those medals look cool for you, those of you that haven't seen it. It's the typical you know gunslinger logo with the crossed mm -hmm. guns, but it's a it's a Fiesta style skull uh, mm -hmm. wearing a sombrero with the crossed guns. It looks really cool. And speaking of medals, the Brahma Mamas were working on a medal for Fiesta. So it's currently in the art department, and they should have it completed by the 15th. And at that time, we'll see 
what it kind of looks like to see if we're going to go forward with that or not. So for those who might still be thinking about a Fiesta Medal for the Brahma Mamas. Very cool. Cool What's stuff. I, I can't we wait could to all be on the float. Like. We should be on the float. On a float? Yeah. I'm saying, how can we get on a float? That'd be cool. I, I think maybe we've lost Philip. It looks like he's frozen in time. Oh, no. He is frozen. Yeah, he said he was looking up uh, the giveaway, and or at least how many medals that was going to be. Alex chimed in saying he thinks it said about 400. Um, oh, okay. I don't know for sure the number. I know that it was uh, looked really cool, though. Um, and I definitely want to try and, and and be one of the first few into that stadium so I could get my hands on one of those. Um, Alex goes on to say, I listened to the Inside the Walls podcast. I don't remember Cody or Jim talking about the linebacker rating. Wow, that's disappointing. Mm. That's disappointing. I, I would hope that that would have been something that he would have uh, brought up Um so that they could have talked a little bit of smack back and forth. That would have been, that would have been interesting to see. So yeah, I'm just getting a message from Philip. He's having some computer difficulties. So he has had to drop off and uh, probably trying to get, probably trying to get back on here. Uh, That's a good thing about our new, um, our our new format here uh, using uh, the, the stream yard, even though Philip is running the, the show off of his computer. Uh, mm-hmm. Once, once we're in here and, and doing this thing, um, it, it kind of goes off of each individual one. So just because he's having issues that doesn't affect our broadcast over the interwebs uh, through the stream yard. So yeah. Um, anything else going on with the, uh, the gunslingers RC? I know you did the, uh, the, the judging last week. We talked about it. For the uh, the gunslingers, uh, cheerleaders, uh, yeah, the six no, shooters. Yeah, not much. I do know that they picked uh, fourteen cheerleaders, which was really great. Mm-hmm. I know that they had uh, wanted to keep it a squad of ten, um, but I guess the candidates that were there trying out were really good. The decisions were really hard, and then um, that was the ten that were there. Plus, they had two virtual ones, and so I wasn't able to see the virtual ones. So apparently, uh, the ten that were there. And the two um, that did the virtual, and I think some other two, they all got it. So it's four, a squad of 14, which is good. I'm happy about that. I still think it would be great yeah. if they could do the halftime for the XFL. Yeah, that might be a good suggestion uh, for them to come out and do some sort of a of a, a presentation on that and kind of hype up for the season. Maybe, maybe uh, in that last stretch of the three home games that we have towards the end of the season at the Alamo Dome. Uh, the gunslingers might be able to uh, do something there. If you're listening, Brahmas, anyone from Brahma Nation, John, that or from the Brahma herd, I should say. I just I just said something that I said I didn't like uh, a little while ago, <laughs> and I used it. <laughs> um, yeah, if anybody's listening, maybe, maybe that's uh, something, uh, an idea you want to throw out there and, and kind of uh, kind of talk about. Um, Alex, again, chiming in, he listened to that, said Cody and Jim talked a lot about the growth of the team these last two, uh, soon to be three years, going back to the OG3, to John Wayne, and just about Cody's time with the team and how much the Gunslingers impressed the league and the excitement for this upcoming season. No doubt that 
what they have done and where they came from and what they did last season, they impressed a lot of people in the NAL because just the the moves they've made this offseason, um, players and coaches that have come over to this organization, uh, being it was their first year in the NAL, players of that caliber, coaches of that caliber with that kind of pedigree, they don't make those moves unless they saw something really impressive with that organization Philip is back and joining us. We're Yay, Philip. Hey. Yeah. Technology is great until it's not. Until it's not. True. Uh, adding uh, Bane, Alex says, adding Bane. Yeah. Adding Bane at that quarterback spot is huge. Big deal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is a big deal. Not that we had, we were good at quarterback last year um, with, with uh, Kent. Robert Kent Jr. But adding Jonathan Bain um, does nothing but improve your team. And I hate playing the game this way sometimes, but it also um, takes somebody off the board for Mm. other teams. Yeah. So that's an interesting one. I yeah, wanted to look, give a little shout out to the XFL Inside Podcast. I was on them last week on uh, Wednesday. And so I did receive a email from Drew Michael Wells, also with Matthew Myers and Jake Le- uh, Leonard. So he says, RC, on behalf of the podcast and everyone with Ambush Sports Network, thank you for making an appearance. We know you are a busy woman. We are grateful to have had you. Thank you for all you have done and continue to do in the football world. It is truly, it, if truly is people of your determination and character that makes this world a better place. Take care. And if you'd like to meet this weekend at the game, please let me know. The XFL Insider Podcast. So a big shout out to them. That was very sweet. You didn't have to do that. I asked them if they could print it out and have them all sign it so they can send it to me and I can frame it and put it in my office. So again, you know, the love that I've received from different podcasts and and from everybody is just really amazing. Um, I've said it before. I just want to encourage females um, in football, encourage the fan interaction and the community. Um, and not only here in San Antonio, but literally in every XFL city. I think we need to come together and um, just have fun with it. Yeah, that's that's awesome that they did that. And uh reached out to you and sent that that's a really nice sentiment um i I had not had a chance to listen to that yet i wanted to go back and do that uh it sounds like you probably it sounds like you had a good time with those guys um i I, I, yeah i i um i share that sentiment with you it's really it's really cool to kind of see um more people take interest in trying to do more than just the casual uh, be a casual fan to kind of build this community because that's what this podcast is about. That's what we've been mm-hmm. doing for the last couple of years, building a football fan base community. Um, right. And, and the more that we have out there talking about it, the more people that we have out there just doing that extra thing to reach out, reach out, you know, with their own different flavor. I think that's awesome. Um, uh, yeah, Alex says Houston loved Jorge Mata, the mariachi. Oh, you know, yeah. everybody gets a kick out of him and 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 his uh, 
his mariachi garb and the big hat. And I know uh, there was at one point, cause I was sitting one section over from him and even the beer vendor was getting into it with him and he loaned his hat to the beer vendor and he put the hat on and he's holding up his beer. Like he's selling it with the mariachi hat. And uh, yeah, a lot of people have a, a, a good time. Um, and, and that's what's, that's what it's all about is, is building this community showing uh, whether it's in Houston or any other city, what San Antonio is about, um, that we're supporting our uh, professional football teams and that we're a, uh, we're a passionate fan base for sure. Um, it looks like Phillip's trying to get back in here once again. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's really what this is kind of what we've based this show around. And the three of us, I know, we love seeing more of that from other people getting out there. And we've talking about how, you know, a little bit of flattery that you got there, RC. I find it very flattering. We're talking to, to other people. Like we've talked to the guys that uh, from the uh, Brava bullpen and those guys, and they have mentioned to me, and I think they've done the same to Philip and RC that, that you guys are, they told us that we were an inspiration to them and part of the reason why they decided to kind of get out of their comfort zone and do what it is they're doing. And that makes me feel really good. I know for my part, um, when somebody says, Hey, yeah, you know, I'm doing this and I'm, I'm having fun with it. And, uh, it, if things are, are, are moving and rolling, I mean, they're, they're doing stuff that we would never have dreamed about doing when we first started. And they're saying, mm -hmm. yeah, we're, we're, we're kind of, we're kind of trying to, 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 to take your guys example and, and, and see what we can do. And I, I think that's just amazing. And it, it feels really great to hear people saying that and, and reach out to us and say, Hey, can we talk to you guys, you know, ask us for advice or just have us come on your show. Um, I, I think that's really cool. And I, I, I love it. There is no like competition between podcasts or between shows, no. and, you know, listen to us or not them, or we're better than they are. Everybody no. brings their own flavor, their own thing to the table. And, and the more people that are doing it, the better, uh, because it's all about this fan base and, and, and this uh, community. No, I mean, there's some XFL podcasts out there that I'm sure they're doing great work. I just can't, they're not my, they're not my thing. And I'm sure I'm not some other people's thing, but there's one in spe specifically. I'm not even going to mention their name because it sounds like a dig on them and I don't want them to think, but I listen to their podcast and it's really, really dry. It's a lot of information. It's a lot of stats. It's a lot of schemes and football talk, normally stuff I love, but for whatever reason, I've listened to a few episodes. It just doesn't connect with me. Yeah. Well, if that's all there was out there and they were the only voice out there, they would lose something, but we got, we have the Brahma bullpen doing their thing and us doing our thing. And this other show, which is not the Brahma bullpen, by the way, uh, doing their thing and different fans find different things appealing um, yeah. as they listen. And that's exactly what we need. I want, I want 10 Brahma shows out there doing covering Brahma stuff because it yeah. means we're interacting with more and more fans. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Everybody has different different likes, different opinions. Um, some people have said uh, we've been called a couple of fat guys that don't know anything about football, and we're true. very boring. Some of that's true. That's okay. <laughs> that's 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 your opinion. I'm fat. I'll I'll, I'll admit to that. And sure. And, and some people have called me an idiot on Facebook. Yeah. 
Hey, we yeah. saw that. I have some fans. Um, <laughs> uh, you do. You have your fans. Yeah. You have your detractors. We all do. Yeah. Um, we're not about. We've never made it about us. I don't feel like we've ever made it about us. Um, it's always been about the football and building a community that gets behind our football teams, whether it's the Commanders, the Brahmas, the Gunslingers, and that's what I'd really like to see next. Is I'd like to see this this passion that we have for the Brahmas. I actually had a conversation with uh, Jorge about this in uh, on Facebook the other day. I would love to see some of the passion that we're carrying for the Brahmas carry over into the indoor season, into the San Antonio Gunslingers. I, look, we've always said the San Antonio Gunslingers is a different thing because it's a different scale. It's mm-hmm. it's it's not in the Alamo Dome where you can fit 60,000 people in if you got that many people show up. Um, it is a smaller scale deal, but I would love to see the really diehard football fans in San Antonio carry from this right over into the Freeman Coliseum as we get into yes. late spring and be a part of that too. You I know it's not... I know it's not for everybody. I know there's some people who's like, I just can't get into arena football. To be honest with you, I don't understand those people because I think the arena game is a blast. But I recognize there are those people out there that just feel that way. And I would love to see some of these fans just just come on over and and be a part of the gunslingers uh, after we get done or as we're finishing up with the Brahma season. As we win the championship in the XFL, just carry that same energy right over into the Freeman Coliseum and be a part of that as well. Absolutely. And I'm still looking for players' moms to contact me for the mom-to-mom, wife-to-wife, parent-to-parent. You know, um, I'm open to any possibilities. I know, like I said, I had one uh, mom contact me or said that they wanted to um, do an interview. I think it was number 80 or 85 from the Brahmas. There's a picture on Facebook. And so hopefully we'll connect soon and we can start our first uh, mom-to-mom interview. Alex McSwain says there was a couple sitting behind him at the Houston game wearing Brahmas gear. And he was talking up the gunslingers to them. Yes, he was. Because I was right there with him talking to them at the same time about the gunslingers and how fun it was. They didn't even know that there was an indoor football team in San Antonio. Let's let's fix that. Yeah, yeah, I bet if we sure. fix that, we won't have any trouble um, filling up the the Coliseum, Freeman Coliseum, yeah. in the summer, near the beginning of summer. Yeah. You want to go to Freeman Coliseum and you want to get a load of Kali Rashad. Just mm. enough said. Oh, Watch Kali Rashad play. Well, since we're talking I gunslingers, mean... let's talk about something that we found out this week, uh, Leo. There have been yes. some rule changes in the national arena league they have put up nets rebound nets on either end of the field this year will be uh part of every field and if you kick you if you kick between the uprights you get your two points mm-hmm. yep if you kick into the rebound net it is a playable ball off the net awesome. which means that. that which means that it can be returned if you kick it outside of the net, so if you purposely kick out of bounds to keep the the receiver, kick receiver from getting the ball, to keep Kali Rashad yeah. from returning the ball, the gunslingers in that particular case would get one point and the ball on the 10-yard line. Mm-hmm. So go ahead. 
Give us an extra point just because you're that scared Rashad. of Kali <laughs> Rashad. And there's gonna there's gonna be teams I might not blame it. him for doing that. I might not blame him for doing that because it might be better than the alternative, which is to put the ball in Kali Rashad's hands yeah. and have him come down and score a touchdown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huge it's, advantage for the Santana Gunslingers. It's really incredible. It is uh it is a great thing for uh the sport because it, it just guarantees returns. One point is better than six. Uh, true. Well, no, but you get the one point and you still got the ball. So you can go down and get your six um, as well. So hmm. that is a what cool, a conundrum. That is a, that is a cool rule change that really benefits the, the gunslingers uh, because we have an excellent returner when it comes to those balls. So you're not going to see those kicks out of bounds that we, that, we all kind of got frustrated with last year, and if they yeah. do, we get we get a point out of it. So that's that's fine. We'll take that. Gunslingers football is still a month away. Is it a month away? Gosh, it's only a month away. Yeah, it's today is we'll March be here before 7th. you know it. Yeah. Wow. Um, that's gonna be exciting. Four straight, four four simple weeks, and we'll be at the Freeman Coliseum. That is April 8th. It is at 6 o'clock. They are giving away the uh, medals, medals. The, the medals to the first 400 people in the door. Tickets starting as low as 10 bucks. Can't beat it. And there's not a bad seat in the house. Uh, there's just no, really there really not. isn't. Um, mm-hmm. You're going to get to see the game and have incredible access after the game with a $10 ticket. Um, there's no reason not to go. There's no reason not to be a part of the San Antonio Gunslingers. But if you're like, hey, I don't want to wait till April 8th for football. Guess what? You don't There's have football to. right now. We got some football right now. We got a game against Seattle, um, which I'm sure there will be some watch parties. I know that we have uh, at least one member of the Brahmas um, front office listening right now if you've got watch party information slide that to us real quick and we will make a big deal about the watch parties Uh, it will be we talked earlier in the show it'll just be one of those things that uh uh watch parties may be lesser attended than before john checking in with us he's the one i was just talking about love seeing everybody in houston horns forward uh, he was out there. He's been all over the place. He's gotten to go to Seattle. All over. For a game. Mm-hmm. He's gotten to go to Houston for a game. Obviously, he was here in San Antonio. Uh, so he's getting a good, well-rounded experience of the XFL and seeing what he can take from other presentations of the game and bring them here to San Antonio um, for the game. Hey, make sure you have your tickets. Make sure you request your PTO for March 20th. Make sure you have your tickets for March 19th. I know it's a late game. It doesn't matter. Um, you're a football fan. There's no excuse. Los Be Primos got to show up and show out. And let me tell you, so I'm going to share something with these with with uh, with the fans here, so that they they know Houston was great. The fan base was great. They were yeah. nice, like I said earlier, sure. for the most mm-hmm. part. But there was one thing that rubbed me the wrong way from one idiot in the stands. Uh, there was other stuff too, but there's one guy that had one particular thing to say because I was getting a lot of, 
wearing the wrong shirt, dude. You got the wrong shirt, dude. You know, because I had my shirt, my hat, or the, got the wrong gear, dude. And I, you know, just laugh for the most part. As you know, what do you do but laugh? I'm like, hey, I mean, I'm in your house, I get it. But you know, my response was, it's not the wrong shirt where I live. And then one guy turned around, and he said, well, then you're just in the wrong town. And I was like, hey, buddy, come down to San Antonio anytime you want. You know, we're 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 gonna be a little bit more accommodating than than you are apparently since since you you don't want this brahma's fan in your town but that doesn't change my stance on that i was wearing the right shirt i had the right hat i had the right gear even with the loss we support our brahmas here at the alamo dome in san antonio down the i-10 in houston up that atrocious i-35 in arlington dallas you know, Waco or, or not Waco, uh, whatever you want to call yeah, it. Yeah, no, it goes through you Waco. Know. Yeah. Yeah. Everywhere. It's it's all about the yellow and the carbon gray or whatever you want to call this color because Coach Ward himself said it's not black. But that's our colors. That's our shirt. That's our hat. We're going to wear it proudly. doesn't matter where we are, what city we're in, what stadium we're in. We're going to be loud and proud because we are – a passionate fan base here in San Antonio. We love our San Antonio Brahmas. We love our San Antonio gunslingers. And we're going to represent wherever we are. We are Los Primos. Brian Winslow saying that he got some of that, uh, you're in the wrong spot or that's the wrong shirt out there in Orlando. Man, Orlando Guardians fans need to. <laughs> yeah, they need to be quiet. Yeah. Man, get your team all on the same page and your coach not calling out your players before you start calling out fans in the stands <laughs> showing up, man. That's crazy. So we've got Brahma's football in Seattle this weekend, and then we are just uh, about 12 days away from having it back here in the Alamo Dome. If you've missed it, you've got no excuse. Oh, let's talk about it, Brian Winslow. Brian Winslow said Orlando finally got a great QB. Who? Flowers? A great QB? I don't know, man. I don't know about a great QB. Have you gone and looked at his Tampa Bay numbers for the Vipers? They're not very good. But nothing on that offense was great. Uh, but Quentin Flowers' numbers were eh. In a better Tampa. QB? Better than what they have? I mean, yeah, Paxton Lynch. I thought you loved Paxton Lynch, Leo. As oh, a as, yes, as a Broncos fan, y'all drafted him. You saved my Cowboys from drafting him by drafting. I had to him. go to the bathroom at that time. I stepped out of the draft room, and my opinion was not taken. So mm-hmm. it is what it is. But yeah, they took they took Paxton Lynch because uh, uh. Some guy named Jerry, the rumor traded up to get Paxton Lynch because the rumor was some guy named Jerry up that IH 35 really wanted him really badly. And, and he always knows a a thing or two about quarterbacks. Oh yeah. Jerry knows when it comes to quarterbacks, Jerry knows. There you go. Brian, (laughs) Brian backing up his Brian backing up his statement with some stats, 8,000 passing yards, 3,500 rushing yards. That's nothing to stick your nose up at 71 touchdowns all in three years. I guarantee that's not bad. I guarantee that wasn't in Tampa. Um, I don't know. He Brian does live in Florida. That wasn't in five games in Tampa. I'll tell you that. No, 
Um, get to the game. Yeah, I mean, get yes. to this. Get to this game on the on the nineteenth. Don't let any like. Yeah, I hear. I hear you. It's a late game. The USF. Okay. <laughs> Philip's not a fan. Okay. Not a fan. We got <laughs> we that. We got we got that, Philip. We picked okay. up on that. USA. Subtle clues. Awesome. We picked up on those subtle clues. We got it. By that logic, Frank Harris is gonna make a great Brahma. Hey, I thought of that the other day. Wouldn't that be cool if Frank that Harris just went from playing for the Roadrunners and then he went and got caught on with a camp uh and and did some work in preseason in the NFL? But if he doesn't and he washes out of the NFL. If Frank Harris played again for like, he's already played seven seasons in the Alamo Dome or whatever it's been. What if he came back and played for the Brahmas in the Alamo Dome too? I'd love like, it. That's a possibility. Wouldn't that I be mean, awesome? Yeah. Just he's, rotate he's, him right from that, that orange and blue right into the the yellow and gray. Um, his his skill set and with his size doesn't normally translate well into the NFL at least right away. No. So he'll probably get some looks, but you know, it, it, it very well could be something in the future. And, and that'd be great. If you do not already have your tickets for March 19th, as soon as we're done here, as soon as we're done talking to you, you need to take care of that. You need to get your tickets. You need to, uh, Apply for your PTO, turn in your PTO request tomorrow morning when you get into the office because you're busy on the 20th. You're not going to be at work because you're going to be recovering from the Brahma's game. Uh, No, Brian Winsloff, I don't think it's time to start Reed Sinet yet. Um, We talked talked about about that earlier. Early in the show, Jack Cohen is your guy. And to me, if he's not, it's only because you need somebody more athletic that can move around and work outside the pocket more. And that may be Juwan. Pass. That would be pass. Yeah. Yeah. So, I think Cohen is coach Ward's guy. And that's like the most important thing. Yeah. It doesn't matter like who's my guy or who's your guy or who's anybody's guy it matters. Who is coach Ward's guy. Yep. And I, I believe from what I've seen, what I've observed that Cohen is that guy, but you're right. If he's going to change anything and he's going to go to someone being more mobile, uh, that that equates to Juwan Pass. Not to say that Juwan Pass is more talented than Sinet, because I would say he's not. Um, but uh, that, that would make the most sense if you're going to make that sort of change. So the... Oh, good. Uh, my buddy Los Mysterios checking in. Thanks for being a man of integrity. If you missed it in the first segment, I was wearing Houston gear because I lost my bet to Carlos. Uh, He says he's watching the show as we speak. The Brahmas are his second team, but the Roughnecks are number one in the XFL. He was also a big commanders guy. Um, So awesome. uh, Like Carlos, like everything he does over there, um, except that fact that he's all about uh, those Roughnecks, Rednecks. So I went to buy my hat. You guys saw my Houston Roughnecks hat. I bought one while I was at the stadium the other day. And I was like, hey, yep. do you have any flex fit hats for the Rednecks? I mean, Roughnecks. It was completely <laughs> accidental. But I now have a name. Uh, and it even fits with their uniform because the red portion of the Texas flag is right down against the neck. So they are the Houston Rednecks. Um, 
Mm, but right I'm now, not they're... going there. <laughs> I'm not going there. Uh, so you've got homework. San Antonio football fans, you got homework. You got to take care of your tickets for March 19th as soon as we get done here. And then as soon as you're done with that, go ahead and head over to San Antonio Gunslingers and get your tickets for April 8th. There you go. Boom. You've got homework. I expect you to get an A on this particular assignment because you love football and there's a great football going to be played right here in San Antonio over the next month or so. Go get your tickets for all of it right now. If you don't already have them, is there anything else we need to cover for the good of the cause? I think we've about covered it all. (laughs) At least for this, this go round. Even with the internet interruptions. We covered it all. Yeah, we've had some internet issues. Alex McSwain brings up a great point. April yes. 8th is the Gunslingers, and the 9th is a Brahma's game. It's what an awesome full, weekend. It's that a is a weekend. weekend. Amazing. That is the Gunslingers against the Cobras at 6 o'clock on Saturday, followed by the Brahma's and the rematch against the Roughnecks, the Rednecks, whatever you want to call them, on Sunday. Man. I'm going to have to add April 10th to my PTO list. It's also <laughs> Easter Sunday, by the way, just in case anybody was wondering. That's that's Easter weekend. When it comes to football in San Antonio, when it comes to professional football in San Antonio, whether it is the 100-yard outdoor game or the 50-yard fight in the arena, if it's up in Albany or over in Orlando if it is down in Houston or up in Arlington, whether we win or lose, whether we come to your house and we beat you down or you sneak away with a victory, when it comes to professional football, the 2-1-0 has got something to say. Bang, bang.